guys, welcome back to the Training Camp Podcast. The Training Camp Podcast. I got a new chair. With a multitude of guests. <laughs> can't say he's wrong, am I right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, dolphins. <laughs> no, I, I really like Stupid games. 5-0 last week. That's right. 5-0. Dak Prescott, you could lock up that four seed. Again, it's not blazing hot. 65 degrees. I'm going to do this for fun. They threw to Michael Thomas. The Heat. How? Chicago. Yes, you guys get an F. And a little too much personality. No, no. Last week. No, no, Ravens? Oh, fuck. Give me that. <laughs> no way. There's no way. Hammering. Three. Really, do not talk about him. This was my fault. Flex the game. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to the Training Camp Podcast. Um, so I I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest. My time management today has been absolute garbage. I was up super super late, and by super late, I mean like 4 a.m. So I slept until one, uh, and then I was like, I gotta go to the gym. So I went to the gym, and I was like, got the podcast, and I have stuff to do tonight as well. So I'd be lying if I said I'm literally not still. I just changed my shirt. That's all I did. I'm still, I still have the shorts and leggings on. <laughs> and after this, I'm sh- I'm showering, editing the pod, and then I got a dip. <laughs> um, so yeah, for those of you that like, like to schedule your lives, I try to do the same thing, but sometimes I'm up till 4 a.m. and can't go to bed. Anyways, welcome to the Train Camp Podcast. Uh, let's hop, let's hop into News of the Week. So, this isn't sports related, but, uh... Hello, the new 105, at least of now, uh, subscribers to the the channel. Um, I had a video pop off. That was wild. Uh, if you want my full kind of reaction and trying to, you know, what's the what's the word? Just like break down what happens. I don't know. Just like let it settle. Essentially, I, I talked about that in a video I posted yesterday, or technically this morning, but yesterday when this it's whatever. But yeah, shout out to all of you guys that are coming out here. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Uh, most of you are the Madden community, so the next couple months are probably not going to be your stuff because it's going to be NBA related for uh, at least until the finals end. But don't worry, we'll get back into the NFL once the season starts. Um, I just realized I'm wearing the football by the numbers hat. Make sure you guys check him out. Parker's Parker Parker always says come up with the nice stuff. This is literally my favorite hat too. Anyway, um, so yeah, channel popped off. Thank you. Next uh, in news of the week, we got Carl Nassib came out as uh, the the first openly gay current NFL player. Um, at least like we said, openly. Um, I think it's awesome. I think you know, especially do it during Pride Month. Shout out to him. Um, I mean, of course, everyone thinks about hard knocks and him trying to teach everyone how to, you know, handle themselves financially when it comes to, you know, being smart with your money in the NFL. It's really, really like, you're like, oh, cool. I'm glad there's like this, this kind of lesson plan. All right, this is how we're going to handle our money so that we can have retirement. That's really, really cool. But so that's what he's most famous for. But um, now, uh, currently with the, I think it's with the Raiders right now. And uh, he actually has the number one selling jersey in the NFL, which I think is awesome. I think, I think it's really, really cool. It gives, um, all the kids from the LGBTQIA plus community, uh, someone to look up to, someone to, to go, you know what, I want to be like Carl Nassibon. I, I Just because I'm part of this community doesn't mean I can't play professional sports and professional football included. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's also pretty great that he's been in the league for this long, you know, because it shows it doesn't, because I'm sure his teammates know. I'm sure he didn't hide it from his teammates. Um, 
but, but you know, it's not his teammate's place to tell the world, it's his. And so now that he felt comfortable doing it, I'm really happy about that. It shows that, you know what, as long as you can play ball, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what defines you. You, you can play football, you can play whatever sport, you can do whatever you want. Um, as long as you have the talent to do it, you're gonna, you, you deserve a fair shot. So shout out to Carl Nassib. Uh, I think this is awesome. Uh, next, uh, we're going to stick with the NFL. Golden Tate went on Sirius XM, like the NFL radio station or whatever, and he said that he's down to three teams, the uh, Colts, the Titans, and the Rams. Uh, Rams make sense because Stafford also don't make sense because he had that beef with Jalen Ramsey, but you know, you never know, but he also probably really, really liked Stafford. Um, I don't know how the Rams be able to do that though, contractually, because they already have like 60 to 80 million dollars on Robert Woods and Cooper Cup alone, not to count uh, Matt Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. <laughs> okay, um, the Colts is pretty interesting to put them alongside T.Y., Michael Pittman, um, and give uh, Carson Wentz, I had a total just brain fart. Carson Wentz, uh, another weapon, especially like in a kind of a make it or break it season to like see if, you know, Frank Reich or if, uh, if, yeah, Frank Reich can fix Carson Wentz or not. Um, and then the Titans also make sense because they just got Julio and AJ Brown, and I'm sure Golden Tate would love a pretty damn close to easy ring. Um, best fit probably is like four wide receivers, probably the Colts, because the other two teams you just have. Like, if, if you're Golden Tate, you're going to want to get your production. If you're on the Colts, you know, I'll tell you why Helen's injury prone. So, you're probably going to be a number one for at least half the season. And, I, I mean, you could argue that him and T.Y. could go back and forth between the number one of the team. If you're on the Rams, you're probably the number three or, or the number two fighting for it. Because, um, and then same with the Titans. I mean, the Titans are probably number three fighting for number two and possibly just staying as number three. So, I mean, every team's got a lot of mouths to feed, but uh, I'm curious to see where he lands. Now let's switch it up to the NBA, where last night the uh, NBA draft happened, and congratulations to the Pistons, who are probably, probably going to take Cade Cunningham. Uh, the Rockets have the second overall pick, so, I mean, you probably could have gotten Ben Simmons for uh, James Harden, but you know, now you, but now you have the second overall pick, so you can build around that. Uh, Cleveland has the third pick, it's such a weird thing because Cleveland started off so good in the season like they were a huge surprise and then now they have the third overall pick Toronto is at fourth so you know went from winning the championship in 2019 and being a heavy favorite to win the championship in 2020 to the fourth overall pick and they'll bounce back though Orlando I think at five is really interesting because they are like one of the most interesting young teams I think that that head coaching vacancy is one of the most like that's one of the most attractive because you have such a young team you can build and establish a culture and you're going to have time like you're not going to get fired within the first two years of your contract i'm sure gm would give you a minimum three to five to build a, a culture and establish you know like all right this is my team this is what we're going to do um and then oklahoma city got six that's kind of interesting but they also have a million picks in this draft um and then orlando also had eight which is the bulls pick so i mean orlando's pretty freaking stacked another team that's stacked is golden state who have two lottery picks now they have the, they have the seventh pick and the 14th pick and then the sad team from for me at least is for the sacramento kings who fell to nine which really sucks <laughs> um two best positions though obviously are orlando who have the the five and the eight and then golden state with the seven to 14 i think golden state will probably trade both of those picks 
You know, they could bundle those with Wiggins. They could bundle those with, I don't think they'd bundle them with Wiseman because you'd like to have a young center that is the future of your franchise. Um, and there's not many other big men that you want. And uh, I, I think Orlando, going back to Orlando, I think that they could definitely move with some of those picks. Like they can move, I'm trying to think. Uh, they're pretty good big man-wise. They're actually not that bad guard-wise. Cole Anthony just got hurt, and so did Markel. They have a good wing coming back in Jonathan Isaac. So, I mean, you probably need a power forward. Uh, you could probably have Jonathan Isaac for the power forward. So you just need, like, a small forward and a center. I mean, even though Wendell Carter. I don't know. The Orlando's in a really, really interesting spot. I mean, you could go guard. You could trade for, like, a really, really good guard, like a Bradley Beal or something like that, and then have a really, really uh, deep bench. I don't know. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. And then lastly, uh, this one's going to be pretty quick. Josh Allen came out and said that he wants a team-friendly contract whenever he signs the contract extension, which I think is awesome. I always think about this. I mean, like, obviously, I don't have... I'm no, never going to be in the situation where... Is there a fly? Is there a fly in here? God damn it. I don't... How? How? I haven't opened a window. I don't have any windows, actually. I think about it. Um, but uh, going back to Josh Allen, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I will never, ever have a contract negotiation with money like that on the table but like for me if i was a quarterback like a star quarterback i would want a team-friendly deal i mean that's also for me and I, I for me money isn't everything like and so I, I just always i always get surprised when like dak wants 42 million dollars and he doesn't just want to be like you know what i'll take like 30 and then we can maybe boost the offensive line and get some better defensive players so i think it's awesome josh allen's doing that especially because they are gonna have to start paying players now um, especially on like defensive, the defensive end, not like the position defensive, but on the defensive side of the football um, in the next couple of years, as well as offensive line, they're going to start paying. And also if they want to keep coordinators like Brian Dable, if they want to uh, keep their defensive coordinator, they're going to have to extend them as well. So you got to save money. And I think this is awesome. Josh Allen's doing that. I mean, the Bills are probably going to run the AFC East for the next five to 10 years. I love Josh Allen too. He's my version of a little bit more athletic Big Ben, even though technically Big Ben ran a Big Ben ran a faster 40 than Josh Allen, which is pretty weird. But, yeah, just watching Josh Allen play reminds me of Big Ben a lot. Um, so, good for him. I, I think he's one of my very young, up-and-coming up up players right now. All right, first story of the day. I hope that this hat is not, it's not to cast much shadow. We're good. Also, things look different. Got a new camera. That's right. That's right. We have another camera now. So, now when I have guests on, I don't have to record them with my iPhone. <laughs> um... So, the Suns went up 2-0 last night, and boy, oh boy, I said that the Lakers-Warriors game for the playing game was like the game of the year. I mean, you could put this up there, but I would probably still put the Lakers-Warriors game because you had the two stars that got to play, and in this game, CP and Kawhi were both out, obviously. Um, so yeah, the Suns were able to win this without CP, and they were also able to win this with D-Book having a bad game. Like, so if you combine those two things, and I will say, obviously, it took a buzzer beater to win, but they were up, like, what, three or four going into the last four minutes of the game. So, I mean, if obviously, the Clippers are missing. They're arguably, like, best defensive player in the league and their top, you know, three player in the league uh, in Kawhi Leonard. But, I mean, without CP and with D-Book having a bad game. Now, obviously, players did step up. Um, I'm, I... I want to I want to give like the game ball if I had to give the game ball to anybody for me it's arguably between DeAndre Jordan um because of the game winner but also for other reasons that I'll get into in a second but also I think the game ball deserves to go to I can't think of his name is it's Cam is it was it campaign or was it Cam Johnson that popped off yesterday this is 
This is embarrassing. Um, hold up. Hold up. Give me a second. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some sugar in it. It was... Okay, we're so professional here, guys. Um, Cameron Payne. Yeah, I didn't think it was Cam Johnson. Cameron Payne stepped up, basically filling in for CP3 uh, with 29 points. And so, I mean, when you have someone like that, I mean, it's the next man up man. It's the next man up mentality. And I mean, when you also have McCall and uh, Jay Crowder, who had a great pass to the buzzer beater, uh, when you have them having great shooting games um, from the three point line, I mean, you're gonna win. But I mean, the fact that you know the Clippers were were, were able to let this one slip away with D-Book not having a great game. I don't like Patrick Beverly, but he did do a great job defending Devin Booker. I will say that, uh, except for the whole headbutt thing where you were. Patrick Beverly was like, "What? What's the foul call?" It's like, dude, you guys obviously it wasn't a flagrant, but you got you just freaking headbutt. It looked at his nose. He's bleeding. You have blood on your face. Yes, you know what the foul is. Um, so I don't really like Pat Bev, but he did do a really good job guarding D Book. Um, so now let's get into the Clippers. Like I said, I was going to talk about DeAndre, and this kind of ties into it. So the Clippers are trying to solve right now one piece at a time and I think the piece that they solved last night was Devin Booker and that's we need to heavily pressure him uh defensively and by putting Pat Bev on him and it worked somewhat I think it was what five for 18 or something like that from the field and so yeah you're technically shutting down Devin Booker a little bit um and so you're eliminating one scorer there obviously Cameron Payne stepped up you're probably the Suns are probably not gonna have Cameron Payne drop 29 again but you know CP3 is questionable for game three, and Kawhi is doubtful. So there's a good chance you're playing against CP. So now you have to game plan for not only CP, but also DeAndre Ayton. Now, DeAndre Ayton for me is the X factor of this series. When DeAndre Ayton got drafted, I was like, this dude is pro- probably going to be arguably the best center in the league for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, for me, DeAndre Ayton is like what the future of the center position should be. He can shoot the three ball, and pretty damn well too, but he doesn't sit out on the arc like Porzingis. He's great defensively, but he's not uh, hes not troubled offensively like Rudy Gobert. He loves the post game, unlike Rudy and unlike Chris Stapps. And he also loves the mid-range, unlike Rudy and unlike Chris Stapps. You guys see where I'm going with here? Yes, the Clippers in the first two rounds were able to exploit the fact that there were um, centers in the game that had huge holes in their game. When it came to the Dallas series, Chris Stapps, even though he's 7'3", uh, only wanted to sit out on the three-point line. He didn't want to back players down. So the Clippers said, all right, we're going to go small ball, and Chris Stapps is going to have to beat us from the line, or he's going to have to beat us defensively. And Chris Stapps is not a great defender, uh, especially in that series. And uh, and so then, you know, the, the Mavs had to put in Boban, and then Boban is a pretty big liability offensively. And so then the, the Mavericks started to fall apart slowly but surely. And if you go to the Jazz series, they went, okay, they, they don't have an offensive score in Rudy Gobert. So if we go small, we have more speed. And he's like, Rudy Gobert is athletic for a center, but he's not athletic enough to have a small forward on as like guarding a small forward at center, which is what they did with Nicholas Batum or Terrence Mann. And so he's not athletic enough to keep up with them. And so they went, all right, cool. We're just going to have speed win this game. And then ball movement, you know, kind of exploited the whole system that Quinn Snyder was running. And they just targeted Rudy Gobert for the last three, the last four games of the series. Um, but the thing with DeAndre Ayton is you can't do that. DeAndre Ayton's faster than Rudy Gobert and pretty damn good defensively. I'm not going to say he's on par with Rudy, but his speed definitely helps him out. Uh, he's got the three-point game like Chris Stapps-Porzingis, but he's not afraid to back you down. He's not afraid to go to the basket, which I think is one of the most important things when it comes to the center position. 
Um, I mean, honestly, if DeAndre Ayton gets like playmaking down, then he literally will have an MVP case for the next 10 years. But I mean, he, he's a guy who's probably going to average 23 and 15 to 16 for the rest of his career. Uh, I just think the biggest thing that the Clippers were exploiting in the first two rounds of the playoffs was the center position. I mean, if you look at, okay, they couldn't exploit Luka because Luka is just that guy. Uh, so they went after the second that guy. I mean, even Tim Hardaway had a pretty damn good series. And then the second, in the second round, uh, they couldn't really, you know, go after Donovan because Donovan just, I mean, besides the, of course, it was the one game I went to in person was his kind of off game. Um, he dropped 20 off game. Um but you, you couldn't really exploit him. And when Conley came back, I mean, honestly, the, the Jazz, when Conley came back in the final game of that series, the reason they went up 25 was because of Conley. Um, but the Clippers just said, all right, cool, we're just going to go after you, that biggest weak spot on your team, which happened to be Rudy Gobert and the wing uh, the wing defensiveness of the Jazz. And uh, I just don't see how – I mean, yes, the Clippers are down 2-0. They were down 2-0 in the first two series as well. And I will give Ty Lue this. Ty Lue doesn't get enough credit. I think a lot of people, and myself included, when they won the championship with Cleveland, I was like, ah, oh, this is all LeBron. But, I mean, look at all the adjustments he's made, like, since Doc Rivers left, and especially just in the playoffs alone. Ty Lue deserves a lot more credit than he is. I think he's like 6-1 and one in the elimination games in the playoffs or something like that. It's crazy. And so, um, you know, they're down 2-0. I don't expect the series to sweep. I think, I really do think the Suns will take a game in LA. It'll probably be game four, if I had to guess. Um, and then they'll probably finish the series off. I said this. I said the same thing about the Jazz, so I'll probably, probably be wrong. But I just don't see how the Clippers can game plan for the Suns right now because you can't really exploit them wing defensively because Jay Crowder is a great defensive player and also so is McCall Bridges. But McCall Bridges and Jay Crowder have the thing that uh, the Jazz didn't have, which was like Boban was, or Boban, Jesus. Um, bo- bo- uh, not Boogie. Good Lord. Uh, Bogey is a great offensive player, but he's not very good defensively. Royce is good defensively. Japes, really? Japes. <laughs> this is wild. <laughs> this is wild, wild. Um, if you guys are new here, just know that uh, the two constants of the podcast is JP interrupting the podcast and the slide switch being in frame. <laughs> um, but so Jay Crowder, uh, so uh, Boban is good offensively but bad defensively and Royce O'Neal was good defensively and bad offensively now with McCall Bridges and Jay Crowder this entire series they've been good offensively and great defensively that's the biggest thing um yeah I just I really like the Suns I I really do like the Suns a lot and I I do not I would not be surprised if they swept but I don't think they will because I don't think it's really hard to sweep especially with there only being one team remaining in LA it's an attraction. Everyone's going to want to go to a game. Also, you know, with like D-Book balling out and Paul George. Paul George, I didn't talk about it. Obviously, missed two free throws. I'm not going to talk about it too much because it happens. He's an 85% career free throw shooter. I mean, I'm not going to call it a choke job because he's been literally carrying the Clippers ever since Kawhi went down. So it just happens. It happens. I mean, if that was Giannis, we'd all kind of expect it to happen, but people wouldn't shit on him, even though you know he's two-time MVP. So I'm going to give Paul George a little bit of a break there. Yes, he should have made those. He should have put the game out of reach, but it happens. Um, you know, he has been doing his part since Kawhi left, which is keeping them in a series. I mean, it was a one-point game. I mean, no one can ask more than that. All right, we got one more leg left. Uh, and then we're done for, for this week. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Train Camp Podcast. If you guys missed in the first leg, we talked news of the league as well as the Suns being up 2-0. Hello? Oh, 
Thanks, Austin. <laughs> my buddy Austin just texted my group chat thanking me on 16K. Um, so, yes, we talked about that stuff. Anyways, so this, the final segment we're going to talk about. Okay, so a lot of people have been, not a lot of people, there have been people on Twitter that have been like complaining about how it's the Suns, the Bucks, the Hawks, and the Clippers. And how it's none of the super teams, and we're not getting Braun, we're not getting Steph, we're not getting the MVP in Jokic, you know, we're not getting um, any, like, the bigger names, not getting Dame, stuff like that. And, like, I will, when when Braun went to LA, and when New York, the Knicks, are, like, started to do well, I, I even said it, I think I said it on the podcast, I was like, this is good for the NBA, because when the bigger markets are good... That's when the NBA and just all leagues in general are good. I mean, when if once the Bulls start to find their groove and uh, they kind of join, because I think the Lakers are going to be fine for the next you know three or four or five years. And the Knicks have a bright future. So you have New York, Chicago, and LA covered right there. I mean, and if if the Lakers aren't that great, then you have the Clippers, who you know it looks like they're going to be here for a while. Um, so there you go. You have the, literally the three biggest te- the three biggest cities in the United States, and they're all three good at in the league, in my, in my opinion, for the next couple of years, um, hoping that Chicago can find their groove. And so I, I do think that's good for the NBA, but I also think it's great for the NBA for there to be parity. Now, what I mean by parity, because I texted JP about this, and he was like, what's parity? And now let me explain it. Parity is essentially just like, just because there are super teams does not mean that those super teams are going to win. I mean, if you look at the NFL, everyone was like, oh, the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl, and they're probably going to play the Chiefs. And what what happened? I would not be surprised if this year the exact same thing happens. Um, if we get an, another Chiefs-Buccaneers Super Bowl, just because those teams are so highly built, and they're kind of, they're just, they're basically super teams. Uh, so when Harden went to the Nets, I was like, I mean, yeah, it's cool, but, like, that does kind of make it unfair. Now, I will say I've been one of the biggest non-believers in the Nets, um, which I think it's not fair to judge them based on what I was saying, because I was judging them as a healthy team, and then obviously things faded out, and so when that happened, I was like, okay, cool, and then like when AD went to Braun, I was like, okay, cool, and like even, so I'm a, I'm a Warriors fan, which means I'll probably go into hiding again next year, because they're probably going to be back, because I only root for them when they're bad, uh, when we signed KD, I was pretty fucking pissed, because I was like, god damn it, like, like I was happy we landed Kevin Durant, but I was like, this is going to be a super team, we're going to get a bunch of asshole fans who don't even care about like the Warriors in general, and it's just going to be a loss, yada, yada, yada. And that did kind of happen. I mean, the Warriors, yes, it's kind of cool that my team won uh, so many championships in such a short period of time. But it's also like, ah, okay, cool. We're expecting this to happen. And it leaves no question marks. Um, And so now when we have four question marks left in the NBA for the playoffs, I think it's awesome. Trey Young, never been to uh, the NBA NBA playoffs before. And now he might even have a chance to win a ring. Giannis, never been to the finals. He's been a two-time MVP. He has never won a championship. Paul George never won a championship. Kawhi technically has, but Paul George hasn't even. He's gotten he's gotten close when he was back in the Eastern Conference with the Pacers, but he's never gotten close since then. Uh, and then if you look at the Suns, CP, one of the best point guards of all time, and one of the best players of all time, never never had a chance uh, to win a ring. He's been in the Western Conference Finals before, and you have Devin Booker, who also has never had, he's never been in the playoffs before. And now look what's happening, DeAndre Ayton, obviously. So there's so many players who have never even sniffed a ring. I mean, the only big name that sniffed a ring is Kawhi, and he won it. Uh, and he's... Damn. Okay, well, Easton also... <laughs> cameo, cameo, 
cameoing onto the podcast. I'm popular today. This is crazy. I never get notifications. Um, that's what happens when you get 16,000 views on a video. What can you say? Popular life comes... Okay, that was lube. That was lame. <laughs> but um, I think the fact that it's not just, you know, the LeBron... Now, I, I will say, a LeBron, like, the Laker-Nets series would have been interesting because you're seeing LeBron and AD, if hopefully both healthy, against KD, Kyrie, Harden, hopefully all healthy. That would have been interesting. But you know what, what wouldn't have been interesting? The freaking series, like, in those games where the bench units come in because that would have been boring as shit. Uh, the nice thing about the teams that are currently still in are they all are all pretty damn deep. The Bucks have a pretty damn good defensively uh, headed bench. The, the actually the Hawks not not too great of a bench, but they got some depth. And the Clippers and the Suns both ran a nine man rotation last night and probably could each run ten man rotations because they're, of how good their team is. And uh, they're both missing two of their best players in Kawhi and CP3. So like when the bench units come in. It's fun to watch. I think that was one of the cool things about the Jazz was you had Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles leading the bench unit, so it kept the game kind of kind of interesting, and it kept the game entertaining as well. If we were to watch like a, a Lakers Nets finals, yeah, it'd be cool to see Bron and KD and AD and Harden and Kyrie go at it. But also, it would be really boring to watch those benches go at each other. You're telling me you really want to? What? Where are these flies coming from? You really want to watch Montrez Harrell and Alex Caruso? you know, dug it out against DeAndre Jordan. Like, you, you want to watch that for five to ten minutes? No, you don't want to watch it. The only reason you want the Lakers and the Nets in the finals is because of LeBron, which is fair. Um, But, like, some of the most recent finals in, in memory, like when the LeBron last went to the finals with the Cavs, uh, that team was garbage, and they lost in, what, five because because it was garbage team and those those finals were not fun to watch even as a Warriors fan like it was like okay yeah this makes sense the only finals that was pretty fun to watch had a garbage team in it was when LeBron came back down 3-1 because you're like holy crap they might pull this off um I mean and the nice thing about with these these four last teams being in the league is it makes the league feel like anybody can win at any given time if I had told you at the beginning of the season that the the Western Conference Finals would be the Clippers and the Suns You'd probably be like, I can maybe see the Clippers. And I told you the Suns beat the Lakers in the first round. You'd be like, what? Yeah, you would not believe it. And then if I told you it was the Bucks and the Hawks, the Hawks, who fired their head coach like weeks into the season, you wouldn't have believed me. And especially if I would have told you that the Sixers with an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, as well as the Nets who now have Kyrie, KD, and Harden, yeah, the, it's the Hawks and the Bucks. You, you wouldn't have believed it. So this makes it really interesting for other teams who are like, you know, maybe we do have a chance. Those teams I was talking about that were, in the, that were in the lottery now, they might be like, damn, maybe we actually have a chance. You know, we're just one lottery pick away. Or maybe we trade this pick away for a star player. That's all we are away. I think one of the teams that comes to mind for this is like the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are probably in a situation where it's like, we're just one player away. I mean, we were the eighth seed this year and we're probably just, you know, a good uh, a good scoring small forward or maybe just another shooting guard away that we can match with, with uh, Ja. And so it gives these teams a sense of hope. I mean, the Knicks were the four seed this year. and I, You wouldn't have believed that if I had told you. Um, so I, I think it's great. I mean, the playoffs, people can complain, but it's literally setting records for viewers right now. Um, 
I know it was kind of down last year, but that was a whole bubble. The whole bubble was kind of just its own little isolated thing. I'm not going to say it was a bubble season, but I'm saying for the viewership-wise, there was a whole pandemic going on. People had a bunch of stuff to deal with. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the viewers were a little bit, the viewership was a little bit lower than usual. But now the fact that we're breaking records is because people are like, holy crap, this league doesn't, or the playoffs don't have LeBron in them right now. They don't have KD anymore. And so they're like, holy crap, what, like, there's so many storylines now, and this is really familiarizing the casual NBA fan with all these players that they probably weren't that familiar with. Um, and it also shows that the NBA is in great hands. We're The NBA League, now, once, you know, Braun and KD and Steph and them leave, I mean, we have, we have, for the next, hopefully, 15 years, fingers crossed, no, and hopefully no injuries, we have Trey, we have Luka, we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, we have Nikola Jokic, we have DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, um, Donovan Mitchell, I mean, John Morant, Zion, who hasn't even made it to the playoffs yet. Um, there are so many players in the league, I'm probably not even naming some, which seems disrespectful to some people, but like Joel Embiid, I mean, there are so many players right now that it, it really makes me comfortable with where this league is going. Um so I think I think it's, it's I think it's okay that we don't have uh, we're not gonna have a Nets Clippers or a Nets uh, Lakers finals. I think that's fine. It would have been fun to watch that, but I think it'll be just as fun because now these are also not very big fan bases. I mean, for me personally, I'm probably rooting for the Suns just because I really really like their team and I really really want CP to win a championship. But like the Bucks. And the Hawks do not have great, great, huge fan bases. And the Clippers, we know, don't have a huge fan base. And the Suns don't have a good fan base because they've been so bad for the past five years. So now, the people that are watching the finals are just going to get to watch this as basketball fans. There's not going to be the LeBron haters that are literally just going to shit on every single game because they hate LeBron James and because they just want to nitpick everything he does. There's not going to be the Kawhi haters, the Paul George haters. I mean, there might be, but... Um, you're not going to get, I mean, we might get the Giannis haters, whatever. You're not going to get the Ben Simmons haters. You're not going to get the KD haters. You're not going to get the the, the uh, Harden and the Kyrie haters. You're going to get people who are like, holy crap, I'm not a fan of either of these teams. I just want to watch a really good series. And I hope that the, in, I would love it if the finals were um, Bucks versus Suns. I think that, I think that could go seven just because of how well they would match up both offensively and defensively, um, just both teams have size, both teams have wing defenders, both teams have good shooters as well. I think that'd be a really interesting series. I also think the Hawk. I mean, you could mix and match all of these. The Clippers Bucks would be really, really interesting because I'm sure. I mean, unless Kawhi's injury is worse than we think it is, Kawhi against Giannis would be really, really great. And then you have uh, Drew Holiday trying to lock down Paul George. That would be a really fun series to watch. Or Clippers Hawks. You have the young and upcoming Hawks who probably shouldn't have even been this in this situation. Or if you swap out the Clippers with the Suns, you have two really really young teams. Probably, and it can maybe be like, okay, maybe this is the future of the league. Um, I just think it's really really interesting. I'm really happy that this is where the NBA is going. It makes me excited as a fan of the NBA, and I, I it just it leaves a giant question mark for the future. It, it doesn't make me go, hmm, yeah, the Lakers are probably gonna win it next year. Hmm, yeah, the Nets are probably gonna win it next year. It, it's really really nice to see that. Well, I talked for way too damn long. My coffee is probably cold by now. Let's see. Mm, it's not. It's really fucking hot, actually. Holy shit. <laughs> um, wow. Well, thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you guys for joining me on the podcast. If you guys are new here, if you guys made it this far, shout out to you guys because I think the average watch time on the podcast is like three minutes, 20 seconds or something like that. So you got you kind of get into news of the week and you're like, I'm out. So if you guys made it this far, I appreciate that. Appreciate the love for all the new subs. Um, I appreciate all the new viewers, too. This is crazy. Uh, yeah. I love making content. It's so much fun. Uh, yeah. So, tune to the podcast every single Thursday at 1230.
and I'll see you guys in the next episode.